You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Going beyond the box score and the diamond, this is the show with the latest news and information on your hometown nine and the entire organization. It's Inside Twins. Inside Twins is sponsored by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Well, the show is Inside Twins. Glad to have you with us here on a Sunday. Obviously a huge weekend for Twins fans. It's induction weekend in Cooperstown. Twins are taking on the Tigers, and we are going to spend some time with Sean Johnson, officially the vice president of amateur scouting. He is the guy that has been bunkered in with his scouts uh, for the baseball draft over the course of the past couple of weeks uh, and a chance now to catch your breath, Sean, first and foremost, and we love having you in to take a look back at that process. So first of all, just congratulations, because this is a buildup over the course of a year, and I say that knowing that you've probably already deployed the guys out for the next couple of years' drafts and you don't get to really rest at any point in time. But do you get a chance to take a deep breath once the final pick is made and you guys can just sit back in your chairs and and sigh relief? Yeah, I think we walk out of night three and you can feel the adrenaline kind of go away from your body and um, all the scouts take off. Either they took off that night or the next morning and left town. And so it gives you a chance to kind of catch your breath and – come back to uh, normal life but you know after we select all these players now it's time to the most important part get them signed and make them officially twins so uh, that part's ongoing and and we're still going through some of that right now and and uh, hope hopeful we'll get everyone signed that we want to sign and and then we move on to the next crop to your point um, I think there was a there's an event that started the actual day after <laughs> the draft that we have three scouts at yeah right now so the summer is a little more uh, condensed now, and there's less pockets to just sit back and relax versus a June draft. So uh, we kind of just keep grinding out through the – we'll go through all the way through August, actually, watching summer events and watching next year's class uh, start to play. And, and uh, we've already been in the Cape Cod League uh, almost a month ago. We had scouts out there. So it's a little bit more of a hopscotch of a summer versus uh, when the draft was – the first week of June. So, um, yeah, to your point, to your question, we, we're starting to catch our breaths and, and reboot the energy and, and get back after it. We'll talk about the kids you selected here in a bit, but I want to stay with kind of the logistics of it down in the weeds a little bit. It's moved now to July, right around the all-star, the all-star game this year. And there's always tweaking to rules. We're down to 20 rounds. Where are we now in terms of uh, bringing back the draft and follow was something that was being discussed. Also, with the limited rounds, does there remain a set way of, of signing non-drafted free agents and that flurry, that land rush flurry that happens after the draft is completed? Yeah, so it depends on the year, but our approach is always the same, whether it's 20 rounds or 50. We're going after the best players we can, ones we feel are upgrades to our system. And day three is a little bit of need uh if we need more catching depth or more pitching or just what's left on the board uh signing players after the drafts over is the rules are the same uh you can go up to a certain level of money before it comes out of your pool that you've been allotted by the league 
so the rules are mainly the same. Uh, the approach is still the same to, to make upgrades when we can. Last year was the first year without E-Town, without the Appalachian League. And in talking with Alex Hassan throughout the course of the year, it was a learning process to figure out where to put guys. And that's already stacked on the COVID year where you're trying to find guys and make sure that people don't fall through the cracks, which was virtually impossible to do. With feedback from development, was there an impact in terms of number of players you look to sign, number of players you look to draft, now that you've had a year with one fewer affiliate? Yeah, so our rosters are a little tighter now. It's it's uh, it's harder to going back to the way we used to do it. You you could sign a lot of players and you had places to put them, but now it's about keeping the players we have, allowing them to get <clears throat> excuse me the playing time that they need, and uh, so there's a little more more of a juggling act going on from our end over to to Alex's group. Yeah, it becomes it becomes a challenge and a challenge that you guys will certainly be up for. And one guy you're very excited about is Brooks Lee. He was your first pick. He came at number eight overall. Uh, high baseball IQ through the ceiling. When you talk to anybody who knows this young man, a guy who could have signed out of high school for a couple of million dollars, chose to pay for his dad at, at Cal Poly. How excited were you when you started to see, starting with the rocker pick by Texas, started to see the dominoes fall, and at what point did you think you actually had a shot to get Brooks Lee? Man, I don't think we had thought we had a shot until he actually got past pick seven, to be honest. It was just, yeah, looking back at it, the only time you know you're going to pick who you want is if you pick first. Mm-hmm. So there's only two good things about picking one. One is you can take whoever you want, and you know you have a really good chance of taking a, a great player. Um, but picking beyond that, picking two or eight or wherever else, you're at the mercy of the board. So we settled in for the room. We we had gone through a lot of discussions about a lot of other players besides Brooks because we felt so good about Brooks from high school and then even last summer with the USA group and in the Cape Cod. We thought he was clearly one of the best players available. So you're hopeful, but you don't want to get your hopes up, and then as soon as the rocker pick and then – we didn't know if the Cubs would take Brooks or not. And once they took Horton from Oklahoma, obviously then we knew. But I think even as the draft had gone on, it was an hour later, and I turned to Derek and Thad, and I said, did we really just get Brooks Lee? <laughs> and we all just were still giddy about it. So it was a it was a beautiful moment for in the room for our group that had worked so hard to prepare for a lot of scenarios in the room and how the board would fall. We talked about – I can't, I can't even tell you how many hours we spent on other scenarios and what what are we going to do if this is the outcome. And then none of those things came to fruition, which is totally fine by me and our group. Uh, so we couldn't be more excited about Brooks. Let's talk about him as a player, as a person. Uh, obviously, talent, uh, he oozes talent. High IQ, I mentioned. He plays shortstop. He's got good size. He's a switch hitter, high contact rate. We've seen guys who kind of, check some of those boxes in recent years. I think uh, Austin Martin was a guy out of college who checked a lot of those boxes, which is why you guys liked him so much coming out of Vanderbilt. Uh, Noah Miller's a high school kid that you guys took who's who's playing well, who's a big physical shortstop. And I know shortstop in the draft is different from what you end up playing, but physically and skill set wise, what do you see in Brooks Lee and what do you like about Brooks Lee? Well, starting with the offense, he's a switch hitter with a, a good swing from both sides. Um, you know, he's he's when he swings, he doesn't miss much. His strikeout rate is really a, a you know exciting for our group. That's kind of what we shoot for and hope to get in the draft. 
is a player that can control the strike zone. And when he does swing, he does barrel the ball up a lot, which he did. So uh, from any way you measure his offense, it's elite. Uh, you know, having more walks and strikeouts in his career is really hard to do, especially in today's game. And then defensively, he's such a creative, instinctual player. Um, and you can tell that he's been raised the right way by his father and playing for him. He's been able to take advantage of that situation. Um, you know, whether he stays it short or not, it's up to Brooks. And I know he's going to want to stay it short as long as he can and, and prove to people that he can play there, which is fine. At the end of the day, you, you play in the big leagues if you can swing the bat. You know, and he he has a chance to profile whether it's second, short, third, doesn't really matter. Um, offensively, he's such a good performer, but he's a playmaker. He's instinctual. He's got really secure, calm hands. He does all the things you want to see a, a defensive player, infielder, make and do. So, um, and then when you get a chance to know how Brooks is wired, he's he's never been anywhere where you know he wasn't the standout player and didn't show out and and play the game hard every day. And you can tell it's just how he's been wired since he was a young kid. The cool thing is that you're going to, in your first five picks here, between Brooks, Tanner Schobel, a right-handed hitter out of Virginia Tech, and also Ben Ross, uh, you've got physical, big, athletic guys who have played shortstop. Now, they don't all end up playing shortstop. We know that. But you've got three guys who are going to bring a lot of physicality and just athleticism to the middle of your diamond. Yeah, and, and lean towards middle infielders is there's always a chance for them to evolve and, and move to a corner position or play both, and that gives you versatility as a defensive player, which you can see even at the – and, you know, Rocco likes to mix and match players here at the big league level who can play around. So that's always a carrying trait for any player drafted is if they can play around and play multiple positions, which is always a draw for us. All right, we got some uh, exciting guys to track in the coming years as they get signed and into the system and into the development path for the Minnesota Twins. Sean Johnson is here. The show is Inside Twins. It's brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated, how memories are created and legends are made. We'll take our first break. We'll come back and talk about the pitching side of things from the 2022 Twins Major League Draft right here on your home for Twins Baseball. Welcome back to Inside Twins in anticipation of uh, the uh, Twins and the Tigers coming up later on today from downtown Detroit to wrap up this brief two-game series out of the All-Star break. We are talking draft today with Sean Johnson, the man who was in the room with his uh, hand on the button, as it were, as the Twins selected 20 players in the 2022 Major League Draft. Brooks Lee, eighth overall, your number two pick. Day one, Connor Prelip. He's a guy from Wisconsin Pitches at Alabama, but you didn't see him pitch at Alabama this year. Always a lot to dig into when you're drafting a guy who's had an arm injury. It's nothing new because you have so many guys go through that as professionals as well. But what's a process for a guy like that who wasn't able to pitch this year? Yeah, this this pick of Prelip is totally goes to our group, our scouts who have are showing up in the fall, doing the work behind the scenes to help us have the confidence to take a player like this with an incomplete resume, he hasn't pitched a whole lot of collegiate innings, but we've seen him since high school. Uh, we are very connected with the head coach, Brad Bohannon there. Uh, him and Tim O'Neill have a very strong relationship, our assistant scouting director, Tim. Uh, so we spent time in the fall, and, and we had four or five scouts that saw him at various points and said, you know, this guy could be a top five pick if he comes back and is healthy um, with his pitch mix and it's a really unique 
breaking ball. He, I think he calls it a curveball, but it's up to 90 miles an hour, so I have a hard time calling it a, <laughs> a curveball. But it's a it's a really unique uh, wipeout pitch that he possesses. We we believe in the changeup development, and uh, so he was a guy we you know on our board we we were considering um, maybe selecting at eight. So another surprise in the room when he made his way down the board to 48. The same happiness we had with Brooks Lee. It just felt like things were going our way that night, which, you know, there's always some ups and downs in every draft uh, session that you're in, but uh, we couldn't be more excited to, to draft Connor Prelip as well. Now you picked up another Alabama arm later, Garrett McMillan, who was kind of their workhorse this year, a right-hander, so a guy who he'll be familiar with. Added a couple catchers on day three. Catchers, man, and you were one. You know how important it is to have catchers in the system with Ryan's injury here at the big leagues we're even seeing now again the the vital importance of catching depth Cassetti out of St. Joe's Nathan Baez out of Arizona State who's also played some infield for the Sun Devils when you're looking late in a draft at catchers are you looking for the versatility element in addition to the catching element especially not knowing where we're going with automatic balls and strikes in the coming years yeah uh that's a great question I I think you're looking for you can never have enough catching that's that's a fact you just even with the injuries and the things that happen, you want to keep that that solid catching depth. And so, you know, Cassetti is a pretty standard catcher. That's his that's his normal home. Baez, he looks a, like a catcher too. I mean, he looks yeah. like from the fifties, like a catcher. Yeah, we saw him catch some in Baez. We, Baez, we saw a catch in the spring uh, a little bit towards the end, and he had a great offensive the, the year there uh, this year for Arizona State. And uh, but he's a guy that can play different positions too. So. That may serve him well at some point in time, uh, but for now we'll try to get these guys off the ground as catchers. It reminded me of Chris Herman when you saw him catching in like a fall game at Miami, and then he kind of played all over the place, and eventually when he was needed, he was able to use his acumen to, to learn the position enough to carve out a nice career. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, you know, Herman and Baez have similar traits in that in that regard, and um, again, you know, you, you just never know where you're going to show up on a big league field, and Back to the versatility piece, to, to be able to play multiple spots is always a good thing for a prospect. We talked about shortstops and how everybody gets the SS next to their name because the best athlete in high school ends up generally playing it short and so on. It's not often you get a guy drafted in the sixth round who's purely a second baseman, but Ortega from Tennessee is listed solely as a second baseman. Now that Tennessee team was loaded. I mean, and they were a... They came into your town and they and they drank all your beer and they they stampeded your cattle and they put up about eighteen runs on you right up until the regional uh, and he was a big part of that. But what about Ortega? Did you guys like where you could look at a guy who some would say, well, gosh, limited. He only plays second base. That's where we were going to move one of these shortstops. You liked him enough to have him in the sixth round. Yeah, we we loved his offensive performance. Again, that Tennessee team was one of the best offensive teams I've ever seen in college baseball. I think about. Larnick's Oregon State team, which uh, with four Madri- big leaguers, yeah, and Rutschman, like that. That team's probably maybe the best, but uh, they're right up there with with that group. And uh, so Ortega had a great year there defensively and offensively. And if he's listed as a second baseman or not, he's probably suited there best. But again, he runs enough, moves enough, throws enough that he could play maybe some corner outfield, or you know, you're hoping for at least a platoon ceiling where he can fit around and, and be a complimentary player. That's a great outcome for a guy in that round. And um, so we'll just see how it goes. But, yeah, we think the guy can hit, and um, 
he probably starts at second base and maybe plays some third or outfield or who knows where, but you know, it always comes down to the bat. Last couple of years, and, and every class is different, uh, different types of players have gone higher up for the Minnesota Twins. You know, we go back to, you know, Rooker, Larnick, polished college hitters. Sabato was a, a power guy, right? You're looking to bet on power. Then you went to the high school ranks for Cavaco. Noah Miller was in that group. Chase Petty, obviously high school with high velocity. This year, the, the theme, if I had to put a theme on it, it's college guys who can get the bat on the ball and, and don't swing and miss a whole lot, which seems like it's a shift. And I don't know if that's philosophically what they're doing in college right now as things change, how teams pitch. Is that something you're looking for more, or is it a product of just the athletes and the style that they're playing right now in the college game? Yeah, so our, our approach to try to simplify it is we're looking for college performers who can control the strike zone. And on the flip side, we're looking for starting pitching that have – track record and resume as much as you can. We'll make exceptions for prelip because the pitches are so elite mm-hmm. and the upside is there. So you're balancing the, the safe performer versus the upside risk player, which is always a debate in the room because you you need impact players to be in the playoffs and win a World Series. You can't get there with a bunch of regular players. Um, it's never happened. So you're weighing those two things in your mind, but it all comes down to what's available in this draft. They're not all the same. They don't, if you look back and study the draft, they don't all generate the same amount of war or whatever metric you want to use to define how good that draft was. They're ups and downs. So uh, we just focus on the board at hand. Who's the best player we can take when it's our turn to pick? It comes, it sounds very uh, cliche, but that's the truth. Uh, that's what it comes down to every year. Because yeah, you don't control a lot of it. You don't control it. There could be, 20 guys that you loved that you never got a chance to pick. So uh, uh, you, you can't control a lot of that element. Sean Johnson's our guest. we got one final segment with him, and we'll talk about what's next for some of these young men when we return to Inside Twins on your home for Twins Baseball. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back. Final segment of Inside Twins. Sean Johnson is our guest, the VP of Amateur Scouting. He's been a very busy man and continues to be a busy man. 20 players selected in the 2022 MLB draft. Quickly, what's next? Obviously, you have to sign them first. Uh, how many are you hoping or do you anticipate to sign? And then what is their methodology or process to get into professional baseball? And how many of these guys are we going to see in games here in the, in the coming weeks? Yeah, so we plan on signing a good amount, not all 20. Uh, we're still working through a couple different scenarios there, but a majority of them will sign. The signing deadline's August 1st, and uh, we plan on being done well before then with all the players we've drafted and want to sign. Uh, the next step for them is they'll go down to Fort Myers, report there, do their pass their physicals, hopefully, fingers crossed, and then... Uh, the intake begins. We'll, we have a nice meeting where 
our scouts get on a call with our player development, which is a huge relationship emphasis for us. And our scouts will just basically give them everything they know about the player that they've been able to compile, um, their backgrounds, their family life, how they've been coached. And the, the emphasis there is that we, our, our PD uh, coaches and, and, and staff know how to approach these players from day one, which is important. So the intake will begin hopefully next week in Fort Myers um, after the physicals. And, um, and then who appears in games is to be determined. Some, some players may need more innings. They may need time to ramp up before they get those innings or at bats. So it's, it's individual uh, case by case who's going to get into a game and, and when and where. And that's all down the road, and that's all player development's decisions. Yeah, and obviously pitcher is going to be different from position guys and whatnot. We've only got a minute, but I'll ask you this, because so much focus of late has been on these second-generation guys, and obviously the gene pool certainly helps. Growing up in a baseball environment helps. Is it funny for you that you're now scouting and potentially drafting kids of players you may have played against, coached against, or seen (laughs) during the course of your career? I don't know if I'd label it funny more than <laughs> it means I'm getting old. I'd probably paint it with a different brush than that, but it, it is weird to start seeing the date of birth on these players. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I've been scouting since this guy was even thought about being born and brought to the earth. So uh, I don't know if it's uh, demoralizing, but it's certainly not funny. Okay. Um, we'll, we'll scratch funny, but uh, it is interesting. <laughs> and, and do you see, when you see a second generation guy, do you flash back to watching their, their dad? Every time, yeah, yep. it, it takes you back every time where you saw, I saw Jackson Holiday's dad in 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 the fall league, you know, or I, I you know, watched Drew Jones' dad and when I was a kid, you know, growing up, so, um, yeah, it's 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 cool and it takes you back and and bloodlines is 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 a real thing and yeah. and. Um, but so, it's not funny. We're not it's gonna certainly call it not funny. funny. Okay, it won't yes. be funny. We're not going <laughs> to call it funny at all. Sean, it's always fun, not funny, but fun to have you in studio. Congratulations to you and your phenomenal team on another great year, and we look forward to what these guys do in Twins uniforms in the coming years. The show is Inside Twins. It's brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. Stick around. The pregame lineup card is next. Twins and Tigers on tap from Detroit on your home for Twins Baseball. You've been listening to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.